Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman, and we are taking you from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. We're so happy you're here. Today, I have an international nutrition coach. Her name is Lisa Franz. Welcome to the show. I am super excited to be here to speak to you, Rebecca, and of course, to all of the rest of you listening. Yay. Well, welcome. Let me tell my audience a little bit about your background. So Lisa is a nutrition and fitness coach. She's originally from Germany, but she considers herself a digital nomad. She has a master's in exercise science with a special certificate in hormones. She has a holistic personalized approach that teaches macros and mindset. And when you can master your mindset, that leads to lasting changes. Her mission is helping people live happy lives as their most authentic self. So welcome to the show. I know I was on your show and we had such a great conversation that we wanted to continue it on the Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant show. So tell us your story, Lisa. How did you go from being from Germany to focusing on nutrition and science? and then traveling all over the world as a digital nomad. I know you were just telling me before we hit record that you're on your way to South America for the next few months. You're in Europe now. Tell us your story. Awesome. Well, again, I'm excited to be here and to just share a little bit of my, um, I guess, knowledge with you all out there. And um, yeah, as Rebecca is saying, I am originally from Germany. Uh, I have always been interested in activity and sports. But it wasn't until I started to gain a little bit of weight after high school when I started traveling that I noticed "Hmm, maybe I need to pay attention to my nutrition also. And of course, I fell into the rabbit hole of trying diet after diet just to think to myself, this cannot be the way to enjoy life through nutrition and still like look the way that I want to look, feel the way that I want to look, feel, etc. And um, it took me several tries and searching and so on until I found uh, what I would call flexible dieting. So essentially an approach where I focus on my overall caloric intake, uh, but at the same time, making sure that I have the right distribution of protein, carbs, and fats, um, while basically 80% of the time eating, you know, good quality foods, and then 10, 20% of the time allowing myself some flexibility. When I found that, it was so liberating to me um, that I decided, yeah, as Rebecca said, I want to help people 
live a happy and healthy life through that as well. Uh, I truly think we can only live our most authentic and happiest lives when we also feel good in our body. And as uh, Rebecca taught me or told me on on my show when we spoke, uh, nutrition is also one of her pillars of, of health, of overall health. And so I 100% wholeheartedly uh, agree with that. And of course, movement plays into that also. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until four and a half, five years ago that I decided to really make that my main mission, my main thing. I have been a little bit on a search before that. So I, I did uh, study exercise science with a major in nutrition, um, more or less after my high school, post high school travels, but didn't really know what to do with that. So I did a, took a bit of a detour and started working as a police officer in New Zealand, where my previous marriage had taken me at the time. And I just found myself very unhappy on many levels. And wait, wait, I know. Wait. Well, let's stop here. You were a police officer married in New Zealand. Yes, yes. Now, how did you get off on that tangent of being from Germany? Like, how did you meet a guy and how did you decide on becoming a police officer? <laughs> yeah, very interesting detour, right? Um, I mean, I've always had a little bit of a travel bug in my blood, just for handed down from my parents. And I guess in Europe as well, we just generally like to travel. But even as a teenager, I set myself as a goal. When I finish high school, I want to go on a trip around the world before I start studying anything and so I went on that trip and I met someone in New Zealand a New Zealander who managed to capture me and keep me there for the time being anyway and in New Zealand you don't have to be a citizen in order to become a police officer so I just thought to myself what sounds exciting what could I do and started working as a police officer and it, it certainly so was an interesting like, time you're a petite woman how tall are you uh, I'm about five four. You're five four, and you're in a foreign country, and you're not scared of like guns and knives and criminals and like big men that could like tackle you as a five. Four uh, woman. I mean, a little bit to be to be completely transparent. The uh, I don't think the crime rate over there is quite as high as it perhaps is in the U.S. or in Germany. Even New Zealand, for the most part, is a pretty chilled country. <laughs> Not to say that there is no serious crime over there, but I saw it more as a as a thrilling opportunity. Uh, nonetheless, after a few years, I just realized the shift work is not for me. It is not, even when I was at work, I was already thinking of, um, you know, exercising, of helping friends with their nutrition. And so while I was still in full-time employment, I, and at the same time, like marriage struggles, etc. I just decided I, I want to have a job that allows me to work from anywhere, whether I didn't know at the time if I wanted to stay in New Zealand, wanted to stay with my partner or not. Um, but yeah, I basically started back to. Up. Let's back up. We're going to get into the nutrition. But what were the struggles in your marriage? Why, why did you divorce? Ooh. Yes, many, many struggles. I mean, we met when I was 19. So yeah. I did not know who I was at the time. I did not know what I wanted at the time. Or, well, let me rephrase that. I thought I knew what I wanted, which um, I thought was just what everyone else was doing. You know, you get married, you have two cars, you have a dog, you get three years later, you probably have kids, etc. I thought that that was the life that I was meant to have. 
just so that after a few years I had a reasonable marriage. I had um, a steady job and I thought to myself, why am I so unhappy? Why am I unhappy from hypothetically from the outside looking in, you know, I have a steady job. I have decent, uh, a paycheck coming in on a regular basis. Is that normal? Is it, is that just what, and, and I mean, that's what the world tells you that it's normal to not be really fulfilled in your relationships, to not be really fulfilled in your job, to go to work and to hate your job. And I, somehow I always had the subconscious feeling of, I know that there's more, I know that, that life is there to be enjoyed, to be like, yeah, experienced on the fullest level. And so I just couldn't stop help stop myself from, from searching for that fulfillment really. Um, husband didn't have your travel book. He just, no, not at all. And he didn't want to travel the world. No, he did not have that whatsoever. And after a few years, we just realized we really wanted different things out of life and had different um, pictures in mind when it comes to the like what our lifestyle should look like and also different drives when it comes to personality development or like I I, I love learning on every level um, I love self-improvement I love deep deep conversations and the things that initially connected us maybe like going wakeboarding or you know just physical attraction they faded and there was not that much depth left after a while. So um, yeah, essentially that coming at the parallel time as my struggles with, with work and me deciding that I did want to have a job that allowed me to live location free um, eventually broke us off as well. And I mean, we parted on very, very good terms. How many um, did your marriage last? So we were together for nearly 10 years nine and a half years and married about mm -hmm, married almost six years out of those so I mean some time um we we tried we put some work in it we you know thought we could figure it out but in the end it was just each each other like accepting that we wanted different things in life and so yeah it was a tough thing to go through and I think my following um, decision to travel hard out I'm gonna say <laughs> was probably a little bit of a, um, a big backswing in the sense of now I'm going ultra independence as as we both know ultra independence can be a little bit of a sign of a of following a trauma as well when you just push anything and everything away from you so I basically said okay since I was tied down to this one spot for so many years, now I'm going to do the exact opposite and just travel here for two weeks, there, there for four months, then here for three weeks. And that, of course, became quite exhausting after a while. So now I've kind of resorted to just being in South America for half of the year and Europe for the other half of the year and kind of having the two bases. And that's worked really, really well for this is my fifth year now as a digital nomad. So I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, and what is the difference? Some I know there's tons, but what are some of the highlights, some of the main differences for someone like me who's lived in America my whole life between uh, Europe and South America? Well, I love the warmth. So that is part of the reason why I do this kind of um, travel regime, I guess. Uh, I always follow the summer or the, the sun. Um, and the main difference is, I mean, I, I like 
part of the organization and the structure that Europe does have to offer, especially in comparison to some Latin American countries or uh, Asian countries, etc. Um, but at the same time, I also enjoy that they can really, in my opinion, celebrate um they they have the on average of course speaking they have the drive to make every little task just a little bit better so for instance on my daily walks from my apartment to the beach in Mexico there was in the morning at five o'clock in the morning was this guy sweeping the street every single day and he would sing or whistle from the bottom of his heart just as loud as he could because it made his mundane job so much better and started his day off well he didn't care if other people were Maybe still he was sleeping whistling at you because you're so pretty <laughs> I, I don't know. I heard him from far away before he could even <laughs> see me. But I just love that. Like every task, they just think, you know, it's better if the music is on. It's better with a little dancing. And in Europe, I think sometimes we're almost too structured. But then, of course, on the other hand, the structure as well comes in handy if you have to do business with certain people or if you want to um, have a reliable train schedule. <laughs> so both uh, both locations, I think, have lots to offer, lots to explore. And for me, um, it's, it's also the novelty and change that I like. As much as I love routines, and I think they are incredibly helpful for giving us a sense of stability, for giving us the chance to progress especially when of, of course when it comes to weight loss when it comes to habit changes overall but I also like change and I like putting myself into new situations because it's pushing me out of com of out of my comfort zone and that's the way that we continue to grow in my opinion I agree everything that we want is outside of our comfort zone so you left your husband in New Zealand I think that should be a country song I left my husband <laughs> in New Zealand, left the police force, and then where did you end up settling? And then how did you start uh, into your health and fitness journey? Right. Yeah. So even um, as I was had made the decision to leave the police, I was I already built up uh, my work as a online nutrition coach. At the time, I was working for a company. Um, it, they basically gave me clients and I just started working with them. So by the time I finished police, uh, the, the time at the police, I was already at part-time. And then within a couple of months, I would just build up to full-time. And that gave me a sense of security. And I would honestly recommend that to anyone who's generally scared of change and I believe you even said something similar like that uh, when you were on my show you know you can work towards your new dream or having a side income etc while keeping a little bit of stability just for your for your safety as well um, and then eventually making a bigger leap so that's kind of how I went about it and that's from there, exactly my I believe, yeah, you you mm -hmm. keep your job for stability, and then you create a side mm -hmm. hustle. Exactly, mm -hmm. you know exactly what I teach. Okay, so you have the side hustle; it's starting to make money, and then what happens? Yeah, and then I I I took the leap, left New New Zealand essentially, and within a few months, as I said, I was basically full a full time nutrition coach. Of course, um, at first, I just really wanted to become a really good coach. I didn't really want to worry about building my own, own brand quite yet, about any marketing or anything like that. So it was very good for me to have that guidance within a different company. 
Um, and I just, I came over here to, to visit my family in Europe at first and then basically started nomading. So I didn't, um, I didn't, I don't have a base. I still don't really ha have a, a base. Um, and pretty much after about a year and a half with this company. So now over two years ago, I started my own company called Nutrition Coaching and Life. And by now I have three beautiful women also working with me, supporting me in that journey. Um, as we just try to, I guess, like I said, help other women also just live more fulfilled lives, improve their relationship with food, reach their weight loss goals and um, just similar to you, but more nutrition focused, I guess, um, helping them fulfill their own dreams and making them, making them feel more empowered, mostly. So you have three nutrition coaches working under you? Yes, that's correct. Yes. That's wonderful. So yeah, we're a beautiful team. Yeah, that's wonderful. You're duplicating your efforts. So tell me, um, a lot of women struggle with weight loss, diet, eating disorders. I know I've personally struggled with all of the above. What are some of your clients struggling with? Like what's a common denominator and how can you help them? Like maybe you can share how your struggle relates to your clients and uh, tell me what is the common theme of all your clients? What is What are some of the main issues? So my main issue, like I alluded to earlier, was basically not necessarily yo-yo dieting, but more in the sense of overly restrictive diets that were unsustainable for me. So thinking I needed to completely cut out carbs or thinking I... Uh, needed to squeeze myself into this and that shoebox and just trying all the things in the world and thinking this cannot be it. So essentially that is what a lot of the women that we work with um, also struggle with. They they are either yo-yo dieters, so they're, they successfully lose 10, 20 pounds and then gain it back, if not more and so on. And, and the worst thing that comes about that is not even just the weight aspect. It's more the unhealthy relationship with food that you develop over time, because then you start becoming afraid of certain foods. You start over restricting yourself. And of course, from a health perspective too, that's not ideal for your hormones, not ideal for your sleep. You're not a good role model to your children, your, uh, you know, around your friends, etc. It's It's just not a healthy lifestyle to live. Like one of the main things that I try to bring across is like, most things are absolutely fine in moderation for the majority of people. And I think that's a very hard place or hard thing to grasp because TV and just our general culture likes to make us think that it's it's again it's normal um to always gain your holiday weight and overeat during that time and then afterwards you need to go on a crash diet and then again you uh gain weight weight back over Valentine's Day and then you go on a diet before your vacation and so on when it's truly it doesn't have to be that way i want to help women uh be okay or enjoy to pieces of dark chocolate and then be like that's good enough I don't need to eat the whole thing I don't need to eat three slices of cake and feel gross about myself afterwards I can share one piece and be perfectly happy um but that's often easier said than done <laughs> um, yeah because so. if somebody is having emotional eating they can have two pieces of chocolate mm -hmm. they can have half a cake with their bestie at the wedding they have to have more and more and more and more and more because they're 
they're using food to fill a God-sized hole. So they they get to do yeah. inner work, which is what you help with too, so that they don't need to do emotional eating. And uh, what I hear you describing is you're you're a flexitarian. That's what it's called. Beautiful. Yeah, I like that term. <laughs> yeah, so there's pescatarian, carnivore, vegetarian, vegan, and flexitarian, and you're a flexitarian. Now, there's a weight loss drug that is crazy in the United States. It's very trendy. All the celebrities are taking it, and actually, they've sold out of it. Now, people have to go to Canada to get it. It's called Ozempic. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Yes. Yes. Is it really big in Europe and South America too, or is it just America? It's more regulated over here. So in South America more so than over here um, in in the sense of popularity. Um, It is, I mean, I think if someone truly needs uh, help with like, if it, you know, if they're in danger, if they have diabetes and they've tried many things and so on, it's okay to get some extra help like that or like you know a a bypass or whatever gastric bypass for instance but I think the important part is always no matter what route you go down to is always to address the habits that you're also talking about along the way because otherwise it's not going to be sustainable and then once again you cannot even if you continue to take this drug for forever you know what's going to happen then you still need to address where's this coming from just like we were saying with the several pieces of cake like why are you overeating or why is there can we not find a different way to cope with the stress or the emotions um that's probably going to be better for you long term and the sense of living a happy life. Yes, because even if people lose a bunch of weight with Ozempic, like what are they going to do? Take it the rest of their life? And what's going to happen when they stop taking it? Are they going to gain all, all the weight back? So I feel like uh, diet uh, crazes and, and drugs are just a temporary fix. It's definitely about the lifestyle. Um, so what are your three best tips for someone who wants to lose weight in a healthy way and keep it off? Mm, yeah, very, uh, very well posed question. And I think um, we've already kind of touched on a couple of those things. So, of course, in order to lose weight, we need to be in a calorie deficit. So meaning eating less food than what your body is burning. That is just simple um, physics. It absolutely makes sense. However, we want to work, number one, we want to work with the minimal effective dose. So not going on any super unsustainable crash diets where you're like, okay, for now, I'm going to go strict keto. I'm I'm actually a carb lover. And I know in two months, I'm going to go on that vacation. And I totally want to have ice cream and so on. But for now, I'm going to go keto. That doesn't make sense. Let's find something that works for you sustainably on a long, longer term basis. So we want to go into a calorie deficit. But um, also focusing on food quality. That would be point number one, because there are several studies really showing that, um, you know, if you give people the opportunity to eat um, at liberty or whatever, um, generally speaking, they consume 500 calories less per day. And that's a lot, 500 calories less per day. Um, if they just have access to whole foods. So, you know, fish and vegetables and avocado and eggs and so on, as opposed to eating um, from processed foods, bread, um, you know, your your cheese, etc. And 
And 500 calories per day, that's going to add up very quickly. So that basically just means whole foods are more satiating. You're going to be fuller if you mostly eat whole foods. That would be the absolute foundation, 80-90% of the time eating whole foods. The second part that I would pay a lot of attention to is consuming enough dietary protein and fiber. Both of those, again, are really, really satiating and they burn more calories to be processed or your body needs more calories to process those than it does with carbs and fats so so to speak so basically by eating more proteins and including enough fiber into your diet you're going to feel more satiated you're going to have less cravings um, and just generally speaking you're doing your body a lot of good with that basically a little bit of a boost for your metabolism too um so those are people getting fiber because i know if you eat too much fruit that can raise your blood sugar so what are some good sources of fiber Great question. Yes. So we do have some other things like oats, for instance, are one of my favorite fibrous um, foods. Um, Beans as well. Beans are good to include. Um, Other grains, of course, as well. And vegetables just in in general, you know, broccoli, those kinds of things. Um, Yeah, that would be my my top ones. Um, And yeah, on top of the calorie deficit and whole foods and the protein, of course, we want to get activity in here. I do want to ca- caution people because also a lot of the women that we work with, they're almost over exercisers or they punish themselves with training. You know, they think, ah, oh, yesterday I ate this and that. Now today I need to go to a double orange theory class um, just to burn that off. Or they think, oh, today I I quote unquote burned 1000 calories on my Apple watch. Now I can have that whole five slices of pizza or so. And um, thinking of it in that way, again, leads to a very unhealthy relationship with food. That's called exercise bulimia. When you You eat whatever you want and then you work out super hard. And I know you have a certificate in hormones, you know, for women who are out of alignment with their hormones, working out hard can really mess you up, right? Because that creates cortisol, fight flight, it's too hard. So uh, what would you say to a woman who maybe was perimenopause or menopause about super hard workouts? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there in regards to especially the cortisol and messing with the hormones. So at any age, but especially going through perimenopause and menopause, one of the best ways to exercise would be to include some kind of resistance training into your routine. And that can even be that can be Pilates. It can be, you know, a Hatha yoga class, but it can also be um, in the weight room. It can be um uh, if you really, really just thrive on those exercise classes because you don't know where to start or you don't want to get a personal trainer, something like a body pump class in moderation where you focus on increasing the weight is, you know, that's something still. We want to work with resistance because also as we age, our body naturally wants to lose muscle mass. And of course, just in the sense of, prevention for your day-to-day activity and also to keep some kind of shape have a little bit of a definition strength training is really really beneficial for you actually and for your hormones um, as well so I would focus more on that and focus less on the calorie burn that your watch tells you which is usually wrong anyway and focus less on 
on that cardio too for for like one of my favorite ways of cardio is actually just walking i think walking is super underrated um it is um contrary to popular belief a good way to burn calories maybe not as efficiently in terms of time um per minutes sort of thing but it there it comes with so many other things for me it's almost like therapy um and you you know you get outside time ideally anyway <laughs> you have time to think you can listen to a podcast you can go for a walk with a friend instead of having a catch up over food or so so um most of our clients they strength train two to three times per week minimum they walk about eight to 10,000 steps per day. And sometimes you can even just build that into your day nicely by parking way a little bit further by um, vacuuming or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be a whole hour of just walking in one stint. Um, but yeah, the, those will be my really, my two biggest things because also with the walking, we're getting the cortisol down. It's a, a relaxing um, contra method to the stressful life that you're probably probably leading. Yeah, it's so meditative walking. So what when you walk, what do you like to listen to? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you talk on the phone? Like, what do you like to do when you're walking? I try not to talk on the phone or answer any messages because just like you say, for me, it is somewhat of my meditative um, time as well. Um, I usually either I either go for one long walk in the morning and or, or a shorter walk in the morning and then a shorter walk later on in the day too. Um, but it really, I kind of tune into what I need on that day, to be honest. Sometimes I need to let my thoughts just run and I don't listen to anything. Sometimes I listen to a podcast, sometimes to just music. Um, but I, I, by now, I mean, I've been really... Um, enjoying my walks and diligent like it's it's just part of my routine now. I've been doing that for probably about four or five years now consistently and I can tune in and just know what my body needs on the day if people are just starting off with and I say um, as long as you don't um, use the time to text or to just you know catch up on whatever you feel like is the next thing on your to-do list um, I don't mind whether you listen to music or have a meditation or anything like that so what is your routine when you wake up in the morning mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that's something where we have a similar um, approach as well, because that the first hour and the last hour of the day, they are so incredibly important for framing our, our mindset, for just visualizing who we want to be, how we want the day to look. Um, so I wake up, <clears throat> excuse me, and while I'm still in in, in bed, I, um, I have a, a book I start reading first before I journal. I just need something else to kind of like put me in the right mindset. And um, so I, my goal is always to read at least five pages of any kind of, um, you know, it's more usually self-development books, um, sometimes up to 10. And then I have a journal and I, I started off by just writing down three things I'm grateful for because I thought, oh, how do I start journaling? What do I even want to write down? I don't have anything on my mind. So that was the minimum that I did. And by now I am I'm doing just one whole, it's like a whole page where I either write down um, a day in my future vision, or I, I, if I feel like I need to process something from the previous days, then I literally just do that and kind of 
yeah, write out my heart, whatever is on my mind. Um, then I get up, have a couple of glasses of water or lemon water or some herbal tea, and then I go for my walk. So as I said, usually either half hour or sometimes it's an hour, depending on what I do for the rest of the day. And then I start my work day and a couple of hours later, I have my, my breakfast and um, my workout is usually in the middle of the day. So that, that routine uh, kind of changes, but the first hour from reading journal walk and water is um, the same, no matter where I am in this world. So you're not addicted to caffeine. You don't have to have tea or coffee in the morning. I, I'm actually super sensitive to caffeine. I used to think that I can drink coffee at whatever time of the day, even before going to sleep. And then I started reducing it in the afternoon and then I took it out of the morning as well. And by now I'm completely, I'm just tea and some and decaf coffee. Um, but even that I don't need or don't have the need uh, to drink that first thing in the morning. My, like my energy and cortisol is super high first thing in the morning. So um, yeah, I, I sometimes have a, a coffee, decaf coffee mid morning and that's about it. And you, it sounds like you do intermittent fasting because you don't eat until a couple hours after you wake up. What is, what are your feelings about intermittent fasting? Um, so I'm, I don't uh, really practice intermittent fasting. I mean, I wake up around about 5 a.m. So I, I, my breakfast is usually 8 a.m. type of thing. I make sure that I give my gut a break for like 12 hours of 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. most of the time. Um, but aside from that, I think intermittent fasting can be a really good tool for some people uh, if it suits their lifestyle. Just to shorten the calorie window, there's nothing magical about intermittent fasting in the sense of, especially not when it comes to, you know, 16-8 intermittent fasting, that type of thing. Um, it, again, if people generally, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've never really been hungry for breakfast. I'm super busy in the morning. And normally when I start eating, I can't really stop. So I'd rather just have a shorter eating window. It helps me keep my calories in check. That's awesome. But I've also worked with a lot of women, um, as you said, that have hormonal issues, for instance, or going through perimenopause, menopause, and, um, and they're just sometimes have a higher insulin sensitivity so that extending that fasting window forcefully can actually add more stress to their their life they're already messed up hormones um and is counterproductive it really depends super individual but many many women um i don't necessarily recommend intermittent fasting to so if someone has insulin sensitivity, meaning that they are having uh, troubles processing sugar and regulating their blood sugar level, why is intermittent fasting not a good idea for them? Um, yeah, again, it, it can sometimes still be, but generally speaking, um, the important part would still be, if you try to do that, would still be to, for sure, Break your fast with something higher in protein and containing fat as well, because that slows that blood sugar release. I think the biggest mistake that people make there is um, having just fruit or having just a bowl of oatmeal or something like that without anything else as the first thing, or maybe even a muffin or a slice of toast. And then you're basically sending your blood sugar through the roof, increasing your cravings for the rest of the day as well, and just making matters worse. So, you know, if you have that extended fast, your blood sugar potentially 
has dropped or after in the morning it's low anyway but you know if you extend it and extend it and extend it maybe just run on on coffee and even more cortisol and then it drops lower and lower and lower and then you have that high spike that's certainly not what we want so what are some good uh breakfasts for women who are struggling with their blood sugar awesome yeah i love it um so i mean I'm a big fan of whole eggs or a whole egg mixed with egg whites, for instance, and um, maybe having some avocado with that, some healthy sautéed vegetables as well. Um, you can have a slice of sourdough bread if if you tolerate carbs well or a little bit of fruit. You could even have um, oats and eggs. They actually do make a good combo also. Um, but we definitely want to have some protein in there you if you are a fan of of oats you can also just mix protein powder in there you could mix some low-fat cottage cheese in there or make some overnight oats with some low-fat greek yogurt for instance also um sometimes especially in other cultures people actually also have um things that we might regard as a little bit weird like um meat ground ground turkey or something like that for instance like having a breakfast skillet with some sweet potatoes and ground turkey and um some avocado that would also be a really really great breakfast so if we have oatmeal and we put in some coconut oil and some protein powder does that reduce the insulin spike 100%. That would be a beautiful breakfast. Top some blueberries on top of there for antioxidants, maybe some flaxseed or so. Um, and you have a wonderful start to your day. Wonderful. So what role do hormones play in weight loss? I know we've touched on them a little bit. You have a special certificate in hormones. Tell us about the role of hormones. I mean, generally, I think nowadays in, especially on social media, sometimes um, they are actually attributed a bit too much attention to. So like if people say, oh, I just, I can't wait, lose weight at all. Um, my hormones are all over the place. I'm going to say, stop, let's pause for a minute because um, in the end, you're still not defying the laws of physics. So you still if you're actually in a consistent calorie deficit, consuming the right amount of protein, moving uh, on a regular basis, hydrating, um, you would still be losing weight. Does that that doesn't mean that it cannot sometimes be a lot harder than it used to be, or feel like more of a struggle than it needs to be. So especially through perimenopause and menopause, things are just not the same that they were when you were in your early 30s or 20s. I mean, some people start perimenopause even in, in their mid-30s or so. It's, it's it, it really depends. Um, but yeah, often we feel like, oh, the things that I used to do are just not working anymore. Well, it is because maybe your life circumstances have also changed a little bit. You might not be moving quite as much as you used to. Maybe you have lost quite a bit of muscle mass that makes a difference too in how many calories your body actually needs. Uh, and then on top of that, of course, yes, if estrogen and progesterone and so on are wreaking havoc and you're not really taking care in terms of food quality, your liver might be blocked up as well. So everything just feels like you're, you know, you might be driving like with the handbrake on. That's kind of what it feels like. That's often what I say to people. And on top of that, one of the most difficult times that you're, or things that your body has to deal with during this time also is when you, um, 
for example, have too many environmental chemicals around you. So let's just say you have a lot of plastic in your environment. You have a lot of um, skincare and cleaning products with parabens. You have, you consume, you know, fruit with pesticides, etc. So that on top of everything else just blocks up your liver so you're not detoxing properly that means your estrogen is going to be even even higher and so on and that messes with your thyroid slowing down your metabolism so while calories are still king over everything and food quality matters a lot um hormones do play a large role during sometimes of your life less than during others. Um, but I think throughout menopause, what I just usually say to people is this is when we really want to be specific with our food quality. We want to minimize alcohol as much as possible because it is just, it is a toxin to your body and you're just making it even harder. Um, and I think that is, that's probably one of the biggest struggles, food quality and um, alcohol during this time. So if someone can reduce that or eliminate processed foods, especially during those years, you're only going to do your body a lot of good. So are you anti-protein bar? No, actually, I think they can come in handy. Um, of course, I think... Um, Whole food sources are generally the best way to go. And saying that, actually, regular use of protein powder is still a little bit different, in my opinion. Um, but especially as a traveler, um, I, I do sometimes utilize protein bars. I would say if it helps with adherence long term, if it helps you reach your protein goal on a regular basis, and, of course, if you can digest it well, um, then there's nothing wrong with that. The The issue is if people become too reliant on them and it actually causes them bloating and they don't even notice or their micronutrients suffer and they just live off two protein shakes and two protein bars per day and the rest, you know, is bread or here and there an apple, eh, probably not that ideal. What are some of your favorite protein bars that you think are <laughs> relatively healthy? Well, I, I have to admit, since I'm out of the US, uh, I'm actually super curious what some of the ones that I see on social media taste like. For example, Built Bars. I have never tried a single one. I would love to because they always look super yummy. <laughs> um, so yeah, unfortunately, I think the only ones that I have tried within the US are, I mean, RX Bars, which are pretty natural, I believe, in my opinion. Um, or what are the other ones? Um, Perfect Bars although I think that they're rather high in fats I'm not a hundred percent sure and then I've tried um pure protein bars um yeah that's that's about it so unfortunately I'm not the best person to be recommending um brands um since I'm I'm globally uh I guess exposed to different ones yeah and okay there's the philosophy that's popular in the U.S. that you should eat your weight and grams of protein. So if you're 150 pounds, you should be eating 150 grams of protein. That to me, because I am pescatarian, that seems like a very challenging thing. Uh, what is your opinion about that philosophy of eating so much protein? I think that's quite simplified, to be honest. I mean, it just, you know, sounds easy. Also one gram per pound of body weight. And um, I generally think that if, um, Anywhere from, we say for somewhere like 0 0.7 um, grams per pound of your goal body weight, that it's 
always what I say to people because of course if someone starts off you know at 180 170 pounds um that's very different than if you're already at your goal body weight of 130 um so you know for someone you're my size I think if you can consistently get to 120 grams or 110 grams or just passing the 100 gram mark um on a consistent basis with mostly whole foods uh, you're going to be in a good spot in, in saying that, going up to that one gram, if it feels reasonably easy to you, there's not going to be any harm in that unless you have any pre-existing kidney issues. That is a good point. So tell us, this is the last question, why do you love being location-free? Why do you <laughs> like being a digital nomad? Do you <laughs> ever want to settle down and like have another husband or a family? Or do you want to have... <laughs> lifestyle for the rest of your life tell us your philosophy that's a, that's a very good question so um I mean I have actually felt over these last five years I've felt um an increasing slow slowly but still increasing desire to um have a bit more of a base again hence why this is the second time I'm, I'm going to Colombia so hence why I'm returning somewhere now for the for the first time for a longer period of time also yeah because um, I led a, a women's retreat in Medellin Colombia and I love oh, Colombia. I'm, I'm gonna be based in Bogota in the oh. capital but I do like Medellin as well and I'm gonna be going to the coast as well and um exploring a little bit more also um but yeah I a fitness retreat in Cartagena everybody says oh. Cartagena is the place to be Oh, it's it's a gorgeous. I cert I, I was there for a weekend only last year, and I really enjoyed it. But yeah, that would be a cool idea <laughs> having <laughs> having a fitness retreat there. Um, yeah, so I do think that at some stage I'm gonna want to have probably two bases eventually. So at least that's kind of my vision at the moment that I'm gonna have a base for you know the months October through. May and then the summer over here in Europe as well. Um, I certainly want to have another partner, whether married or not, uh, at some stage. Um, I don't foresee any kids in my future, and um, that's by choice. So I, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be a, a digital nomad as I was the first year forever. But I'm definitely gonna keep on exploring. I just I. I have um, a curiosity for other cultures and um, I've always loved just that exposure to, to something new, like I was saying initially also. They have a word for that in America. It's called a snowbird. The, oh, the I like it. Like, yeah. They live, you know, and they're usually in their hometown uh, where it's cold, you know, from May to October and then from October to May then they go somewhere warm. So you're you're an international snowbird. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm going to call myself that now. Yes. And I mean, one of the beauties is so I guess there's always pros and cons to everything. Um, but one of the beauties certainly is like you meet so many amazing people, interesting people that you would otherwise never come across and especially nowadays when there's more people uh, working location free um you just you just yeah i mean uh things that i have never even heard of or um it's such a cool opportunity to grow of course sometimes uh, i do find it harder to find a really deep 
connection and level with people um, after a while. But at the same time, like-minded people do like-minded things. So it is easier to start a conversation with others um, that are also on the road. And your English is perfect. Uh, what language you. do you speak? Um, so at this stage, it's, well, German and English fluently, but Spanish, I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> I've been taking lessons for about a year and a half now, and it's getting there. I can have a decent conversation, um, but certainly not not to the other levels yet. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all this information. I'm sure my listeners are going to want to find you online and get in touch with you. So where can they find you? Well, thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. It really has been a pleasure. And you can find me mostly on Instagram. My handle is Nutrition Coaching and Life. And our website is also nutritioncoachingandlife.com. And those will be the two main platforms. Wonderful. Well, you have been listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman, helping you go from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. This is a grassroots movement. So if you liked this podcast, if you found value in it, please copy the link and share it with a friend. Subscribe, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you want to take a screenshot of me and Lisa or of the podcast, tag me on Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman, and I will for sure give you a shout out and share my stories. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, we're going to have another fantastic guest. And until we meet again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Thank you so much for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman, taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I am hosting a weekly women's circle on Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, where you get to experience my coaching for free. It is open and it is amazing for accountability, support, and community. All you have to do is go to the link in bio to reserve your spot, and I can't wait to meet you on a live Zoom call. I also am having an amazing summer promotion called the Five Day Drop. Lose five pounds in five days, guaranteed. It's a great way to detox your body. It's a metabolism reset, and it will help you feel balanced, beautiful, and abundant all summer long. So make sure you go to the link in my bio to learn about the five-day drop. I am so appreciative of you listening to my show. The best compliment you could ever pay me is to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend because I know you know other people who want to go from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye.